It's a very strange topic, really, that we have for, for this part of the program, to talk about the inner life. Um, the reason it's the inner life is because we, we can't express it very well. Uh, it's not really possible to put it into words. Um, so I'll be very interested to hear how my fellow panel members uh, approach the subject. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And yet, uh, when we read the teachings of Hazrat Anayat Khan and, and every other mystic as well, but Hazrat Anayat Khan uses that term, the inner life, very much, we understand that it's a very important subject. And I don't know about you, but I certainly remember when I first began to read those orange volumes, um, coming across that term and thinking, well, inner life, what, what is that really? What does that mean? And wondering if I had one. Um, of course, everyone has an inner life. Our, our problem is more that usually, or well, not usually, but often, we're not aware of it. And so the question is not so much trying to build one, but trying to become aware of what is there. And then when we at last become aware that there is such a thing as an inner life, then we can start to talk about um, arranging the furniture, the non-existent furniture, uh, to, to suit our non-existent wishes. Uh, it's very difficult to talk about this after Elias's talk. <laughs> it was hard enough already. <laughs> But everything you said was absolutely true. I mean, the, well, all right. So how do we come in contact with the inner life? The, um, maybe the first and most important thing is um, imagination. Maybe you all know that story about the man who was imprisoned on top of the tower um, and and he devises a way of escaping. Do you know that story? Why don't you? <laughs> He's imprisoned on top of a tower, and, and the king is very angry with him and says, throw away the key. He can stay there until he's a pile of dust for all I care. And the king, I mean, the, the prisoner stands there and looks down and sees his wife faithful wife below, weeping tears. And he says, don't cry. Come back tonight with these, these things I tell you to bring. And he gives her a very strange shopping list. And she, comes, she thinks maybe he's already gone. You know, the, the strain of the imprisonment has made him flip out. She comes back at nightfall and he says, have you got what I told you? Yes, husband, I have what what you asked for. Have you got the rope? 
Yes, I have the rope. Have you got the string? Yes, I have the string. Have you got the thread? Yes, I have the thread. Have you got the beetle? Yes, I've got a beetle. Yes. <laughs> have you got honey? Yes, I've got honey. Very good. Tie the thread to the leg of the beetle. It is done. Put honey on the antenna of the beetle. Now, if there are any entomologists here, I don't, I'm not claiming this really would work. Um, it's a story, all right? He put, she puts the honey on the antenna of the beetle. He says, put the beetle on the wall of the tower. And the beetle, sensing sweetness ahead, begins to climb. And, of course, the thread is tied to the leg of the beetle, and in time, because it's a short tower and a big beetle, in time, <laughs> the, the beetle is within reach, and, and he has the thread. He says, now tie the string to the thread, and he pulls up the string. And then he says, tie the string to the rope, and he pulls up the rope, and in the morning he's far away. Well, this is a picture of our work in the inner, on the inner path. Um, we're imprisoned, and we want to get free. And in the beginning, what we have is not strong enough to bear our weight. But if we treat it carefully, it can, in time, be used to bring us to a condition where we can get where we want to be. So that thread that we begin with is imagination. But imagination must be controlled. We can't, you know, it's not, you, you can't sort of free associate yourself into heaven. You, you have to be able to control your concentration so that you imagine what you want. If uh, if you imagine what you don't want, then you have to live with it. <laughs> We've all had that experience. The wise have said, do not say what you do not wish to happen. Another thing that's very important is the whole science of impression. We expose ourselves to impressions um, this age is, is extraordinary. There's never been an age like this where we have such uh, an avalanche, a, a deluge, a cascade of, of impressions of every kind in our wonderful media. Some are positive. Some are. But many, of course, are not helpful. And they have an effect upon us. So, along with the study of impressions, we have to understand something about purification. Now, purification we sometimes associate with a kind of moralistic point of view, but it's, it's not about morality. It's about trying to make the instrument in a fit condition for what we want to do. It's not that some impressions are, are bad, you know, they're, they're evil. No, it's that some impressions are not helpful, and it's very hard to sustain the weight of your 
imagination, of your imagined ideal, if you're also carrying the weight of a lot of other images and non-ideals, concepts that you actually don't want. And then, of course, there's the question of discipline. Now everybody's looking nervous. <laughs> if we can't if we can't master ourselves, then who's going to do the job for us? We, we have to be the ones that take ourselves in hand and do the work, because no amount of, of prayer, no amount of associating yourself with illuminated beings is going to have any effect if you don't also do your work. And then, of course, there's, there's the very important step of learning how to disappear. Um, the technique that we that Elias offered us of, of cutting nothing from nothing with nothing is is a wonderful technique. Um, there's a there is another way of doing the same thing, uh, and that is by opening your heart in love. Um, because if you really love, you learn to forget yourself. I think parents know this, or most parents, some, uh, one or two parents know this. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, life before the kids came was one thing, and life after the kids came was something quite different. And you give up everything for the children. You say, okay, um, I thought I was this and this and this, but I discovered, no, I'm not. I'm the servant of the, I'm the slave of this little <coughs> thing, this beautiful, beautiful little thing. And that's the first lesson in love. And if we go on that path far enough, we can come to a place where we really have made our ideal we, with our imagination, which became belief, which became conviction, our ideal has become so real that we're able to just completely erase ourselves for the love of that ideal. And that's, 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 in general, the outline of where we want to go. Of course, in old traditional Sufism, one of the ways of doing that was through the path of discipleship. This is mostly not very popular in the West now. People don't like to be disciples very much. They, they as Hazrat and Ayat Khan said, they, they would rather be teachers. <laughs> What's that? Uh, some Doesn't apply to any of us. No, of course not. No, no. Um, 
but uh, we do know people like that. <laughs> Thanks, Shanta. Um, the path of discipleship is is the path of offering your heart, and it's not so difficult to offer, but sometimes it's hard to remain constant. And if we can, if we can keep ourselves there, constant on the path, then we'll get where we're going. I think I'll pass the microphone on now because there are still three more and we also want to leave time for comments and questions from the floor. So, thank you.